Hello, everybody. We have some breaking news. Um, I'm going to just share what it is, and then we'll talk about it in depth later in the show. But I'm, I'm very happy right now as a, as a fan of a Hendrick Motorsports driver. Um, I'm not entirely sure getting that much of a penalty stripped away was right, but again, I'll take it. So if y'all haven't heard, Hend- or, uh, sorry, the appeals panel has has rescinded the points penalties uh, and playoff point penalties um, for the Hendrick drivers. So the 100 points are going back to Larson, back to Byron, back to Bowman. They're getting all their playoff points back. Um, so again, as a Bowman fan, I'm thrilled. He's going to be back in the regular season points lead. Larson should be back in the playoffs. Um, and right now, the regular season champion, their regular season championship bids are kind of still alive. So I mean, this isn't what I planned on introducing the show with, but they put this out really, really quickly. Um, so yeah, what do you, what do you think about all this, Emily? I mean, I, I'm shocked. I kind of I don't know. I'm never dealt much with a situation like this so i didn't really anticipate them receiving yeah. that and giving the points back but i mean good for them uh yeah i mean I'm, I'm shocked they gave so many of them back i thought there might be like yeah like a partial yeah like a partial something. deduct or uh reduction maybe 25 or 50 points maybe they take some of the money away but i mean that again i don't think fines really do much um, because these are most drivers nowadays, even the ones that drive for small teams in the Cup Series are multimillionaires, or their team owners are multimillionaires. Rick Hendrick's a billionaire, or at least close to it, so $400,000 isn't even going to make a dent in his checkbook. But, wow. Okay, so Bowman's back in the regular season points lead. Now, we are going to go over the standings in this episode, but they have not um, updated these yet because, you know, it's it's NASCAR.com. They're not going to update these penalties. Um at least not, or, uh, they're not going to update standings very quickly. But I guess we can get into our normal intro now, Emily. That was not something I planned on introducing the show with. If we get any news, um, I'll be refreshing the uh, the Twitter the Twitter app. Um, or the Twitter. Yeah, the the Twitter, uh, which I like. I never go on it except for NASCAR news. Um, so that just you know that shows right. how much I know about it. But Twitter's um, kind of old school. It is, isn't it? Yeah. It's it's turning into Facebook. Only us old folks. Yeah, Facebook is is really things. ancient nowadays. Um, do you have any life updates you want to share? I had that on the itinerary. I don't know if you have anything or not, but. That thing really cares about. Can you hear me? Oh crud! I did it again. What'd you do? Hold on, hold on. I can hear you kind of, but you're 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 fading in and out. When I'm on my computer, okay. Yeah, so when I'm on my computer, it asks me, like, do you want to connect your AirPods? And I'm like, yes, like, instinctively, Absolutely. but forgetting that they're connected to my phone. Oh. So it that jumps off work. of that and goes into speakerphone. So that's what it did there. Oh, okay. Apologies. I gotcha. um, yes, big news. I am going to see a famous person this weekend. Oh, who's that? Guess. Taylor, oh, yeah, Taylor Swift, isn't it? Yeah, my bad. Yeah, I forgot, <laughs> I forgot you had tickets to that. Yeah, in, uh, in Dallas. Big so. in the NASCAR world. In Dallas, so yeah. So if you recognize if you recognize Emily yeah, there, and, and you're a fan of this show or, or the the YouTube channel, you know, ask for an autograph because you know when we're uh, That's, you know Emily's gonna you know, be more famous than than T Swizzle one day. Fan overlapping. <laughs> oh, I'm sure, right? You know, there's so many Swifties and NASCAR fans that that combine. Um, I did add your name though to Same. the to the podcast. I don't know how I didn't do that before. So now, whenever you Google your name for the rest of time, our podcast will pop up. So, um, you know, just don't That's say anything you regret. Scary. And uh, yeah, I know, right? Um, but yeah, um, uh, yeah, yeah. Not much. I'm not going to see any famous people this weekend. Um, Good for you. No, not really. I, I did watch Days of Thunder today. Got got halfway through it, so that was fun. Um, but yeah. We, we will hopefully have a, at least one or two in-person shows next week, though, because I am going to see Emily next week, so uh, going to be down yes. in her neck of the woods, um, chilling on spring break, a uh, very late spring break, um, 
in April, which is kind of weird. Um, but uh, my dad's birthday is coming up too, so I hope he doesn't listen to the show or he's totally going to have a dead giveaway here. But I bought him a copy of Common Sense uh, by Thomas Paine and some other works of Thomas Paine. So, um, you would. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's funny. I don't think he, he needs common it. sense, but it's one of the few books regarding American history that he does not own, so I figured it'd be um, pretty appropriate. Um, let's look at the weather for Richmond this weekend. Um, oh, that's supposed to say rain Saturday, not Sunday. Um, there is a threat of rain Saturday morning, which could wash out to practice and qualifying. High is 76 degrees. Uh, I believe the low is 42 on both days. Uh, but on Sunday, the high is 62. Should be um, blue skies. Not a cloud in the sky in Richmond, Virginia on Sunday, which will be good. Um, not going to be too hot. Not going to be too slick on the racetrack. Um, but, I, you know, I always enjoy sunny race more than I do clouds. I just I don't really vibe with clouds. You know, sun is just... Sun is much more vibable, as I'm sure the kids the kids say that, right? I like I like night races. Those are most. I do too. Yeah, night so, dude, night know. races. Yeah, night races are great. Except you know, mm, somebody on that point. one of the hosts on this podcast has fallen asleep at a night race at Richmond once. So it they're, they're not the youngest person. Also a male. Yeah, also a male. So you know, it's my dog. Uh, but the night races aren't great <laughs> for a young child who like. The race started at 7.30, and I, my bedtime was bed probably, time. like, 8. So, still, still and I also, I refused to take time. a nap that day um, because I, I was too excited. Um, but I, I did put out a little special on regarding that um, today uh, because I realized when I woke up this morning, this all, I'm getting, I, it's weird. I haven't graduated high school yet, but I'm already getting um, or having experiences or thinking thoughts that make me go, wow, I feel old. And I had one of those this morning. I realized that it's technically next. It's closer to a month from now. But this race weekend, uh, this this Richmond race weekend will have been 10 years, uh, kind of ish. Not exactly to the day, but um, kind of 10 years since I went to my first NASCAR race um, in 20, spring of 2013. Aww. So that got me. It made me sad because it makes me feel old, but also maybe you know slightly. It's been like double. Yeah. Like, double that since I've even been to a race. So. Yeah. Um, but it just got me thinking. So I put out a little special about that on the channel, um, you know, just regarding that. Um, but, yeah, it's like, where, where did the time go? Like, in, in me as an Astro fan and in life in general, like, gosh, where did that go? That was – it seems like forever ago, and it seems like just yesterday at the same time. So, um, yeah, wow. This is my – well, counting that 2013 season, this is my 11th year. <laughs> As a fan, which that's not just like a huge accomplishment or anything, you know, it's not like I've done anything, um, but it's still kind of great. Like, yeah, wow. I mean, I, I've seen, I've seen Dale Jr. and Tony Stewart and Jeff Gordon and Matt Kenseth and uh, just a lot of legends retire, a lot of a lot of people end their careers or start their careers. So that's that's kind of it's kind of neat. Um, so yeah, let's look at the results for Circuit of the Americas. Uh, oh, they do have the point standings updated. Let's go. Bowman is plus 82 to the playoff cut line, and he is plus 15 over Ross Chastain for the regular season lead. Let's see where Larson is. Um, Larson is plus 26, so it's not the biggest of margins, but it's still all right. Okay. Um, it's better than being minus 69 like he was on Sunday night, so... Let's see here. Coda results. True. That was not feel, not feeling good. That's though. Yeah, that's not where you want to be, really. Tyler Reddick got the win at Coda this past Sunday to lock himself into the playoffs, becoming the fifth driver to do so through these first six races. He joins Stenhouse, Kyle Busch, William Byron, and um, Joey Logano. Kyle Busch was second. Um, Alex Bowman comes home third. Ross Chastain ends up fourth. William Byron in fifth. Austin Sendrick in sixth. I said it on the post-race podcast. Said it on the post-race show. This was not a race, mainly due to the late-race chaos, but this was not a race where you had comers and goers. This was a race where you either got flown up the escalator or thrown down the stairs. Um, 
and Ricky Stenhouse was one of the uh, one of the guys that flew up the escalator. He ends up in seventh. Chris Buescher in eighth. Ty Gibbs ties a career best in ninth. So they have two consecutive top tens. That 54 team is slowly figuring some stuff out. How about Todd Gelland in tenth? Emily, you'll love this one. Corey LaJoy in P11. Let's go. Where's um, Corey? I, he is making the playoffs this year. I am. I am. I. Uh, I'm gonna bet something on that. Michael McDowell is in. Was in 12th. Kevin Harvick was in 13th. Um, he used as many F-words as is possible on his radio Sunday, from what I heard. He was not very happy with his car. Still brings it home in 13th. Kyle Larson's car was probably crying for help and still finished 14th. Chase Briscoe in 15th. Disappointing day for Denny in 16th. He had a couple penalties, got spun a couple times. It just wasn't a very fun day. Um, and his podcast was kind of representative of that. He was not very, not not the happiest of, of Denny's on uh, his uh, podcast on what's it today's Wednesday right his podcast comes out Monday mm-hmm. yeah today's Wednesday uh, Jensen Button was so the best he must of like the... record that like right after the race yeah I think when when they were on the road for the West Coast swing he'd record it right after the race Sunday I think most of the time so Dale Jr's he, he that he's uh, doing that with Dale Jr's media company um, and I think they record most all their podcasts that they do like nine or ten Monday morning so they do that um, they do that pretty early on Monday, and then they so they can get it out early Monday. Uh, Justin Haley yeah. comes home 19th. Noah Gregson in at 20th. Ryan Blaney in 21st. Harrison Burton 22nd. Eric Jones 23rd. Jordan Taylor, aka Rodney Sandstorm, in 24th. Cody Ware 25th. Josh Balicki 26th. Daniel Suarez, who you know he might get penalized here in a in a matter of minutes. 27th. Joey Logano 28th. Kimi Räikkönen 29th. Eric Amarola 30th. Christopher Bell, 31st. Ryan Priest, a.k.a. Mr. We're All a Bunch of Hacks, 32nd. Austin Dillon, 33rd. A.J. Allmendinger, 34th. Brad Kislowski 35th. Um, I mean, Denny couldn't have walked in on the porta potty this week because Brad was probably already back in Charlotte by the time this race ended. Uh, Connor Daly, 36th. Bubba in 37th. Jimmy in 38th. That just makes me sad. And Ty Dillon in 39th. Anybody on the results sheet, Emily, that really impressed you, how well they ran, and anybody that was kind of disappointing, you know, maybe aside from Denny, because, you know, that, that, was a, that was a rough day to watch, uh, that you were a little disappointed with on Sunday? Yeah, I, I was bummed. You know, that said, it was a, it's a road track, and um, I understand that things are different, so I'm just going to pretend like it didn't happen. <laughs> Move forward. Phase it out. Didn't happen. Move on. Phase exactly. out. Forget Coda. No yeah, forget Coda. forget Coda. We'll go to he. Denny did win a. Did, did, uh, sorry, I can't talk. Denny did win the spring race at Richmond last year, so he has a he has a shot. Uh, we're gonna take a our first commercial break. Come back and do a little more recap of Coda. Then we'll go over the standings and some of the post race thoughts of some of these drivers after Coda because it was certainly interesting what they had to say. Wendy's, we have chicken nuggets too. Wendy's. All right, so we we did do a whole post-race podcast and obviously a post-race show on the YouTube channel so we're not going to spend a ton of time uh, recapping this race at Coda but there's not much to say that we haven't said already this race was a great race until about 12 laps to go then it kind of devolved into chaos but we thought it might come down to fuel strategy Uh, Tyler Reddick was clearly the best car there William Byron was also really fast and it was probably going to oh my phone needs a software update apparently and probably just stop the YouTube live stream um, I don't care about software updates. Um, anyway, uh, Tyler Reddick um, clearly was the fastest car there. William Byron looked like he could have a shot, but then Daniel Suarez, Ross Chastain, Alex Bowman all entered the picture. Then Brad Kozlowski stalled on the track, and uh, chaos swept over Austin, Texas. It took us four restarts, but eventually Tyler Reddick excuse me, won the race, and uh, the, the field imploded, basically, wrecked everybody, the, you know, there, there was no more give and take. It was all take, no give. Um, so, Emily, what, what did you think of the race? What did you think of the chaos at the end? Um, and just overall, your thoughts on Coda? I mean, you know I love some chaos. Like, bring it on. Def- definitely my favorite part of racing. That said, it was it was a little bit on the much of, like, yeah. the, the <laughs> thoughts of, is this ever Yeah, is this ever going, going to, to end? Yeah. Yeah. You, you just you reach that point, man. You just do. So, so yeah, I got I got stuff uh, to do. Y'all can't go for fine, y'all can't go for five more but, uh, restarts. It, 
Though there were doubts at times, it did eventually end. It did eventually, yeah. I'm glad it did, because if it didn't, we'd probably still be watching it right now. Um, That's right. Yeah, pretty chaotic. Well, that would be the case. <laughs> pretty chaotic. Tyler Reddick does uh, does very deservingly uh, get the win. Um, so that's no, that's all we got to say. We we've already recapped Coda twice at this point in the week. We're kind of burned out on Circuit of the Americas now. I've gone over the results like three times, and and all that stuff. But um, we did talk about some of the stuff on Monday. But we do have three very interesting quote. Well, two interesting quotes and one very interesting action from a driver. Um, Bubba Wallace blew a brake line and or an oil line and also had a broken toe link, um, just like plow not, right through not, Kyle not Larson. His fault. Yeah, not really his fault. Um, exactly. And yeah, plowed through Kyle Larson, um, ended up ending his day, and, and Larson somehow still finished 14th. I have no idea how, but uh, Bubba was very upset after uh, after the crash, got out of his car, slammed his hand on the top of the race car, and then in his interview said that two weeks in a row I have made mistakes that are rookie mistakes. Six years into the Cup Series, that's unacceptable. That's not exact quote, but you know more or less what he said. Uh, what are, what are your thoughts on all this, Emily? You know, do you think? Uh, just, just what do you think? It's it's a hard question to, to phrase, but um... you know, I think I think he's uh, he's obviously frustrated with himself. I mean, that's clear. But you gotta you gotta look at it at you know this is a learning opportunity for him. This is a chance for him to kind of grow from this and kind of instead of being like hard on himself, I wish he'd be like, you know what? Let me show you what I can do. Yeah. So. That's my thoughts. Yeah, I, I've I've heard a lot of I, wise words. Yeah, I um I think Bubba Wallace is pretty clearly his own harshest critic. Um, I said that on Monday's show too. It's it's evident he is down on himself. Like if he makes a mistake, yeah. he will be the first person to tell you that he has made a mistake. He's not going to deflect blame. He's just not that kind of guy. I admire that, but there is a point, you know, where you self degrade yourself to a fault. And at that point, you lose your confidence, you lose your your mojo per se, and uh, that's it's a very real thing that affects performance. And again, I, I'm not going to pretend to be like a doctor or psychologist or anybody even close to Bubba Wallace in his personal life, but we do know publicly that Bubba has said he has come out and dealt with depression. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, I wonder to a point of self degradation. You know, does he does he need to see somebody? Does he just need to sit down and realize that hey, it's okay to not be one hundred percent down on yourself after every bad result. Like, not everything is your fault, and even when it is your like, fault, like you can admit that you made mistakes. Yeah. Without without completely yeah. putting yourself down to a point where it's unhealthy, because there there is a point where where it's unhealthy, and there there's a point Absolutely. where. Um, I think he's reached that. Yeah, I think he has too. And I think his, I mean, racing is a very mental thing. You know, when you think about sitting inside a, a hot race car for four hours on a Sunday afternoon, it's a very mental thing. And, and you know, uh, you, you got to be strong mentally to race in NASCAR, especially at the highest level um, or in any level of motorsport, really. So, you know, I, I think he needs to take a look, calm down. And I, I think, he, I mean, he wears his heart on his sleeve. He is probably as a public figure he is the definition at least the most definitive guy i've ever seen of wearing your heart on your sleeve wearing your emotions like fully out um in the public eye and i I think that's a good thing for for people to see who really are but in this situation it's it's not the not the best choice for him um See, I, I don't think he needs to be replaced. I, you know, I, I've seen people putting up polls and be like, Bubba Wallace said he needs to be, or not polls, but they said Bubba Wallace says he needs to be replaced. I think he needs to be replaced. If he's saying that, it's like, no, they're not going to replace him. I mean, he's a cup winner. Does he underperform at times? Yes, obviously. But, I mean, hey, this hurts to admit as a fan of his, but he's outperforming Dale Jr. right now. Um, I mean, he's out. He's outrunning Junior than what Junior did in, in a couple of years at Hendrick Motorsports. So I'm just saying, just putting that out there. Uh, Junior was running much worse than Bubba was in 2009 and 2010. Um, so Junior, Junior fans, what do you think now about Bubba? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Bubba does still have quite a ways to go before he reaches Junior's win total, but said just say, just putting that out there. Bubba's not the only guy to have underperformed in top equipment before. That is, this is not a new thing in NASCAR. Um, what is a new thing in NASCAR, at least what seems relatively new, 
is the total disregard for respect and the total disregard of for any other competitor out there. Ryan Priest noted this post-coda. He said, I race out there with a bunch of hacks. And this begs the question, which we've been asking now for two to three years, is there a lack of respect in the Cup Garage? We've seen guys, especially on road courses like this, and the road course last year was um, a crap show, to, to, to say the least. Um, guys driving through each other. What do you think about his comments, Emily? Do you think there's a lack of respect in the garage? Because I, I think these guys respect each other personally, but when they get on the racetrack, they have a tendency to just drive through each other with, with no, not a care in the world. Oh, yeah. I mean, for sure. But, guys, like, it's their sport. Like, just as they're going to take it seriously at any sport, like, of course they're being serious and they're they're putting their all, and sometimes that means maybe being a little rough. Um, but, you know, from my perspective, there there's some respect that could grow. Yes. Um, between some <laughs> of the guys, obviously, for sure, like, without a doubt. Um, but that said, it's a sport. Yeah. And something you is. can't always, you cannot always take everything personally. Yeah. And some of these guys do. Yeah. I also think, I've seen some people saying that NASCAR needs to police stuff like this clo- more closely and... We're not. We're no longer in the era that we were in in the sixties and seventies, where if you felt disrespected, the sanctioning body didn't give a crap. It, you know, we're no longer in the boys have added era. We're in an era of, you know, NASCAR is going to kind of police this, but they're also not. It's a weird precedent. Um, but you know, if you're upset about something, get, do something about it. I mean, I, that's what I'm saying to these veteran drivers. See, like, hey, you have a chance that here. Always mean punching somebody. Yeah doesn't mean taking somebody out, but it means stepping up in the driver's meeting or calling a meeting with your team, especially if you're a guy like a Denny Hamlin, a Kyle Busch, a Kevin Harvick, you know, Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano. If you're a veteran, well, not Logano because he's kind of a, a perpetrator in these situations, but if, yeah, if, if you're a veteran driver, I mean, you know, say something because I think they're the ones that are the most vocal. I don't think they're like the definition of the old man yelling at the sky, but at the same time, I don't think they're always in the right about this. I think there is a lack of respect, especially among younger drivers. Um, I think we're seeing that. We've seen that with guys like <laughs> Ty Gibbs. Um, a lot of these guys in the truck series, Arca, they don't, you know, they have a tendency to drive through people. It's not going to change, though, unless you are vocal about it, unless you do something to change it. So to everybody driving through everybody, stop driving through everybody, but also listen to these veterans because you can learn a lot from them. Uh, the last big thing from Coda, well, actually, second last big thing from Coda, Daniel Suarez. Um, let me check the old Twitter bird one more time to see if any word on uh, him. But uh, it is largely speculated that he will be penalized for, well, I think he kind of had a right to be mad. So late in the race, he dives to the inside, Bowman and Chastain hit him, he goes for a spin, he goes from the top five to 27th. Uh, sorry, 27th. Um, he was understandably uh, frustrated about this. Let's see, Daniel Suarez. Uh, well, okay. Not seeing anything yet. Not seeing anything yet. Uh, oh, dear. Yep, still not seeing anything yet. Um, so what do you think that means? Like, it's nothing yet. Well, NASCAR usually releases their penalty report on Tuesday. I saw something yesterday that said they, they're going to release the Suarez penalty today just so they have a little okay. more time to look at it. I wouldn't at all be surprised if it's a points penalty and a fine. They're not I don't. They're not going to suspend them for something like this. At least I don't think they would, um, but I don't know. Um, but Suarez, after the race, was very mad. He said over the radio, where are the 48 and the 1? Went to go chase him down. It just completely booted his teammate out of the way, coming to pit road on the cooldown lap, and then bumped Alex Bowen pretty hard. Um, nearly sent. Well, not, I'm not going to say that's overdramatizing it. I'm, something bad could have happened because there was an official standing in perfect range for Bowman to hit him if he his car veered out of control. Um, Dan, yeah, Daniel Suarez maybe had a right to be frustrated about this chaos, but what do you think, Emily? I mean, should he, I? I don't think he should. No, I mean he should not have. Taking his nope. anger out on pit road, but but there were also yeah. some interesting words exchanged. Him and Bowman seemed fairly cordial, but him and Chastain seemed angry. Chastain said, "Don't be all high and mighty." It sounds like there's some animosity at Trackhouse Racing. 
Yeah, it definitely does. Um, you know, just the fact that, that that comment was made. But, you know, my full, my full opinion is safety first. At the end mm. of the day, you got to be safe. You can be mad. You can be angry. You can be pissed. You can, you can punch God. Yeah. But, like, when you make a move like that with a car that um, could cause bodily harm to someone that's innocent in this situation, that's not okay. Yeah, throw hands. Just don't throw your race yeah. car into officials. Um, last right. order of business from Circuit of the Americas, the road course ringers. Jensen Button, Connor Daly, Jordan Taylor, and Kimi Raikkonen were all the big names. And Jimmy Johnson, but, you know, he's a seven-time NASCAR champion. He didn't really count as a road ringer. But those four guys, I'm going to kind of take Connor Daly out of the conversation because he drives for a team who bought their equipment from like a race team that existed before NASCAR. At least that's the way it seems. They're terrible. Um, but Jordan Taylor in a Hendrick car, Kimi Raikkonen in a Trackhouse car, Jensen Button in basically an SHR car. They're all in very competitive equipment. Button was the only one to finish in the top 20. He ends up 18th. Jordan Taylor, 24th. Kimi Raikkonen, 29th. What did you think about these road course fingers, Emily? Um, and, and would you like to see them come back for races like this in the future? Because I think them coming in here made this like a, a huge marquee event. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think it was interesting, and it probably opened up the horizon a little bit of fans for the race. Um, while they didn't really outperform necessarily many of the um, NASCAR drivers, I think it is something interesting, and I'd love to see them come back. Yeah, well, I have to say, speaking of that, Jensen Button is coming back, actually. He's running the Chicago Street Race. He'll also be That'd running be an oval. Um, he'll be running an oval at the season finale at Phoenix. Um, and this was Kimi Raikkonen's second NASCAR start, so obviously he seems to have a somewhat amicable relationship with Trackhouse, so uh, we'll see. Unfortunately, I'm not sure too many fans of Formula One or IMSA or IndyCar watch for those guys. The TV ratings were down. Again, they've been down for every cup race this year. 3.129 million people watched this race on Fox, so disappointing the ratings were down. I think Chase Elliott being out is having a big effect on it, but I thought he did fine in the booth. Um, and I, I liked all the guest analysts they had in there. So we're going to take our second commercial break and come back and talk about the what was the subject of, well, I'm going to have to put out a video on Hendrick's penalties and all that. Um, but uh, it was the subject of the main video that I was planning to make today about uh, NASCAR gaming being doomed, essentially. So not fun. Walmart, where our chicken nuggets are frozen. Walmart. All right, back from what I think is the lovely KFC commercial, um, we're going to talk about something not so lovely, and that is the fact the NASCAR gaming industry is in the worst spot that it's ever been in. Um, it's probably in a worse spot than it was in in 1967 when absolutely no trace of NASCAR gaming existed because that's basically where we are right now. No trace of NASCAR gaming exists, at least not in a new form. And Emily, as, as people that, you know, we, we play a lot of those. That's like, you know, you know that that's kind of how you got introduced to it in a way. Well, that, I mean, that was a PlayStation 2 game, but still, you know, racing NASCAR Heat, racing these games, um, I don't know. It, it just it makes me it, it it frustrates me a lot. Um, the last game that this company, Motorsport Games, put out was a piece of crap. Um, it, it really was. You you drove it. You know how well. Yeah, it was bad. Um, it was really bad. The the one game they released last year that apparently fulfilled their contract clause with NASCAR that they have to put out a yearly release was a game for the Nintendo Switch, which was a copy and paste of the last game in the NASCAR Heat franchise. And then this year, uh, their game didn't even make it out of the uh, 
development stage. Didn't even make it into production, which I'm not a gaming mogul or a software geek or a technology nerd, but that doesn't sound very good to me. And Emily, we're not finance aficionados or stock market people, but uh, they reported a loss of $36 million over the past year. I don't think that's very good. I mean, I know, you know, you're better at money than I am, but $36 million losses in 365 days... It's not very good. That's like what? Teacher, I deal with that kind of money often, as you can imagine. Oh yeah, sure, I know. (laughs) Since since the sarcasm here. um, No, not at all. That obviously is a huge loss for them. So it is. But uh, when you make a terrible game, then you don't release any NASCAR games, and then you're also not going to release one this year. And you also kind of screwed over the IndyCar fans who you said would get a game this year, and they're not going to get anything either. You know, I can see how, you know, you lose $36 million. Um, I was maybe a bit harsh in my video this afternoon, but I I do stand by what I said. The executives and the the suits, the corporate suits at Motorsports Games, I don't think they care for the fans very much. If they did, they'd try harder. They definitely could have tried harder. Um, I feel for the developers that are going to get a lot of flack for this because they are, like, hard-working people that are incredibly smart and incredibly skilled in areas um, that I could not dream of being proficient in, but for the the president of their company, for the CEO of their company, uh, I'm, it's really hard for me to drum up any feelings of sorriness for them losing money, because they could have tried a lot harder, they should have tried a lot harder, they shouldn't have put out a broken game, and I don't know, I wouldn't be sad at all if NASCAR took away their license. Um, but Emily, we're kind of screwed in this situation. NASCAR signed an exclusive licensing deal with them to make a NASCAR video game every year until 2029. Holy moly. I will, like, be a senior in college when their licensing deal is done. So what, I mean, I, I know you don't have a ton of inside info on this, and I don't either. Um, what is your opinion on all of this? What what this what impact do you think this will have? Because young people are flocking to Formula One right now. They're not flocking to NASCAR. And the fact that Formula One has a slightly working video game, which spoiler alert, video games are popular with young people, that might yeah. have a little bit of an effect on that. So what what do you think well, about yeah. this whole situation? I mean, you've got to they've got to know know that like that affects the future generations of NASCAR fans, like that is going to make an impact and um they may have made a mistake with that contract i think they did too i don't know why they signed that long of a contract i feel bad for nascar slightly too though because man it's just uh, they couldn't have projected this but good grief it's a mess i mean it really that company is probably gonna go under um and like in the before the start of the new year uh, oh, any news on Suarez? Any news on Suarez? Nothing. Darn it, nothing yet. Dang it. You're so helpful. I really am. I really am. Um, what's next on the itinerary? Oh, Richmond. Yeah, I forgot we have a race this weekend. So, uh, we are going to Richmond. I put out a quiz on my YouTube community tab today about how long Richmond was before its reconfiguration in 1988. It was actually a half-mile track at the at the fairgrounds, at the Richmond fairgrounds. Um, turned into a quarter-mile track, and uh, now they host uh, two races a year. They've been hosting two races a year for at least as long as I've been a fan. Um, Mm -hmm. One in the spring, and one was the regular season finale. Then they moved it into the playoffs, and now it's like the third or fourth to last race before the playoffs now. Uh, It is a short track, though. Our winners last year were Denny Hamlin in the spring, Kevin Harvick in the fall. So it seems like a track where uh, the veterans really like to play. It's a very strategy-dependent track, or at least it was last year. And Toyota seems to have a stranglehold on the track. They don't have the most wins there of all time. That belongs to the Bowtie Brigade and Chevrolet. Uh, But Toyota... Uh, is very strong there, and that's uh, that's who one of my favorite drivers drives for. That's who your favorite driver drives for. So, Absolutely. what are your initial thoughts here uh, going to Circuit of the America? Or, gosh darn it, going to Richmond. No, we are not no. going to Coda again. We are going to Richmond. Going to Richmond. I, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I like Richmond. I love it when strategy is involved. I love to see some action. So I'd love to see some good stuff. But you know. I'd like to see some rookies up there, you know, or who we consider as rookies. And um, I love love to see it when, you know, someone comes in to make a big move. So that'd be pretty cool to me. 
would be. I'd, I'd like to see some some young guys get up there, challenge these veterans. Um, yeah. But there's one guy I really have my eye on. That's Kyle Busch. It seems like he's been kind of under the radar yeah. aside from California. Um, <laughs> but he's won. He I think he's won here three or four times. So. Um, see, I'm not a fan of that. I'd love to see some young guy come and blow him out of the water. You know, I'd really love to see blow him out of the water. Who? Bubba. That'd be nice. That'd be nice. Unfortunately, Richmond's not really Bubba's track. He did finish 13th there in the no, fall last but year, but never... unfortunately, you never know. No, you never know. No. Yeah. I mean, he did a lot better at Coda, you know, when he actually had working breaks than, than I thought he would. So, who knows? He could have a yeah. could have a good weekend. Let's look at the weekend schedule. We're not going to do our picks yet, but uh, also something to note, Richmond is known as the action track. So, just, you know, keep that in mind. Um, and this is also the second race with the new short track package, which is good because Richmond's racing hasn't been fantastic over the past few years. Um but uh, the strategy could uh, could bring it some new good grief. Okay, I know this is only a Cup Series podcast, but uh, y'all know me. I'm a passionate, dedicated fan. I'm not waking up early enough. I'm not waking up at seven o'clock in the morning to watch Xfinity Series practice. That is airing at seven <laughs> no. in the morning my time. I mean, I know they got to get it in, but good grief, that they wow. Yeah, I'm just gonna look on the NASCAR app later and see. Wow, qualifying <laughs> gravy. Um, wow. Uh, Cup Series practice is at uh, 10 o'clock Eastern, so 90 oh, going to have to be up by 9. You know, have to be up by, you know. Um, yeah. It's on Fox Sports 1, MRN, and the Sirius XM NASCAR radio. Qualifying is at uh, 10.50 a.m. Eastern. That's on FS1, MRN, and Sirius XM NASCAR radio as well. The race is at 3.30 Eastern, unfortunately. Fox cut their like network schedule really like short this year. The only it's usually seven or eight races that are on Big Fox to start the year. Then you have the break. Then you go Talladega, the Coke 600, and that's it as far as races on Big Fox. Race seven, and we're already on FS1. That seems weird, but they are putting Sonoma, their their finale, Fox's finale, on Big Fox. Okay. So maybe that maybe they had to you know take one off the beginning of the schedule and put one on the end. Uh, the race is at 3:30 Eastern, FS1, MRN, and Sirius XM at NASCAR Radio. Um, and yeah, uh, what's next on the Google Doc? Let's see here. Oh, well, I kind of referenced this at the start of the show, but I put out a video on my YouTube channel today. Um, you can go check that out. But uh, it, it's it's just kind of commemorating 10 years since my first race, which seems wild and, and crazy and makes me feel old. Um, but it, it has been 10 years since my first race. So I share some stories and pictures of all that. Um, and I'll also, I'll link a blog post, um, for it, uh, in the description, but, uh, we had a, my, my mom had a blog going on at that time and she blogged all about this. So, um, I'll, I'll blog that and you can see some pictures of me when I was what, six, seven years old. Um, you know, eating yeah. some Richmond Raceway does have pretty solid pizza, or at least they did in, in 2013. So, if you want I feel some, like you still talk about that all the time. I do. Well, you know what I really talk about is Talladega funnel cake, dude. Tala, Talladega funnel cake <laughs> is bussin'. Like it, it really is. Uh, there, I never got to try it because I think it debuted the second time I went there, and I couldn't convince my dad to get one because they were like twenty dollars. Is there uh, the big one meatball? Um, and you were like, in a suite. Yeah, we, well, yeah, we were in a suite, that's true, but... So you um, like free food anyways. Yeah, we did. Um, I don't know, yeah, I don't know why I, I would have wanted a big one meatball, because I remember we had, like, free fi fried chicken and all that. Man, that was living up in that Talladega suite. That was great. Um... Had some was, good friends that hooked you up. Yeah, and it was all you can, all you can drink Coke, too. So I, I was living it up. I really that was. I had so much sugar real. those days. Good grief. I was so hopped up. Um, but anyway, I think I had funnel cake for breakfast that day at Talladega, too, because, yeah, I'm pretty sure I did. At, like, 1030. Man, those are the days. But the only thing, the only food I remember from Richmond was the pizza. Uh, but what I really remember is all the pre-race stuff. Richmond had a great midway. You could just, there was so much stuff to do before the race, especially for kids, um, which was great because I was a small child then. But, yeah, that was, that was awesome to get to go and, and do all that, uh, do all that stuff. So, you know. My experience from 2013 is that Richmond Raceway is a, is a pretty good place to go catch a race. Um, 
this thing. So we're gonna take our last commercial break here. We'll talk about Denny Hamlin making his 800 cups. Well, can't talk. 800 cup start for DH and do our Richmond pole and win picks. McDonald's, get you some chicken nuggets. Oh, as Matthew McConaughey would say, all right, all right, all right. I'm not using that in any specific context. The context here. But uh, how about Denny Hamlin? He's feeling all right, all right, all right. Or no, he probably right, isn't, right, actually. Um, he's uh, making start number 800. And uh, as I am not the Denny Hamlin expert here, uh, what do you think about Hamlin making his 800th start? It's his 17th year in the Cup Series. So you are a Denny expert. Well, kind of, you're more, well, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Maybe. Possibly. <laughs> I am honored. First of all, thank you. Um, <laughs> what is this? Working on a receipt. Don't need that. Um, man, 800 races is a lot. When you think about that, um, that's just crazy. Like, I think about, like, you know, I'm just, 800. I mean, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, I just, I cannot fathom. 1-800-888-2300 in power. That's all I got to say. Say file. Isn't that a commercial? I don't think so. I just remember the no, Empire commercial because no, the jingle is very jingly. Uh, Ignore me. But yeah, 800 starts for Denny Hamlin. That's incredible. I mean, he's still got like 1,400, or not 1,400, 400 to go to catch Richard Petty, but uh, that's still that's still pretty pretty impressive. Um, and he's only like 40, so that's only 10 more seasons to there's, catch Richard Petty or something like potential. that. There's potential there. Um now it's time to pick our to pick who's going to win the poll and who's going to win this race this weekend at Ridge. Let me check one more time to see if we have anything on Daniel Suarez. Um, just so if we do, I can introduce breaking news twice on the show today because that would be sick. Let's see here. Come on, NASCAR. Come in clutch. Daniel Suarez. Oh, crap. Daniel Suarez. Let's try that again. Daniel. Did you spell it wrong? Nope. I, uh, I, Did you write Danielle? No, I typed it. Oh, okay. Um, hey, yep, we got we got it. We got the breaking news. Oh, it's only fine. Uh, NAS, let me read the official post from NASCAR here. News. Daniel Suarez has been issued a fine of $50,000 for violating Section 4.4 of the NASCAR rulebook concerning member conduct after making contact with another vehicle on pit road after the race. So y'all know my position on fines. I don't think they do much. Justin Marks has probably already uh, already sent a Venmo to, to NASCAR, yeah. Or Daniel Suarez has that money laying around in his game room. Um, again, I don't think monetary fines do much of anything for these you know these drivers, these owners. Um, but you know, oh well, you know, I'm, me saying that's not going to change anything. I would have gone with like a ten point penalty. I know that's small for a point penalty, but. It sends more of a message than a fine, Will. Uh, what are your thoughts on this penalty? I'm like kind of rapid fire, you know, breaking news here on the podcast again. Um, again, I'm with you. For a, safe, for a safety reason, I think it needed more. I think we needed we needed some points or a suspension or something. Yeah. I wouldn't go as far as a suspension, but I definitely would say points. And maybe even a bigger fine. Um, because it's not the fact... I'm not too... You know, I'm not in busy because he hit somebody on pit road. I'm frustrated because he, you know, hit a guy on pit road. And if Bowman, Bowman probably wasn't expecting a car to ram into him on pit road. No, probably not. If he loses control and goes into that official, I mean, you know, you know what could happen. So I mean, Bowman would have to live with that. Exa- yeah, he'd have to live with that, and that's a lawsuit and for it you know. Have been his fault. And yeah, there's, yeah. there's a lot of lot of dark stuff there. Rabbit hole we're not yeah. going to go down, but. Um, just, I, I don't know. I think Daniel Suarez probably needs to have a talk with, uh, Justin Marks just so we can, well, first of all, this short, he, Justin Marks sounds like he needs to have a milk and cookies talk with Ross Chastain and Daniel Suarez, but second of all, it sounds like he needs to, uh, um, you know, just talk to Daniel Suarez and say, hey, don't do that because you just cost me 50 grand, so, you know, I got money, but I ain't, like, Rick Hendrick rich. Um, so anyway, now it's time to make our picks for Richmond and, or, yeah, it's only Richmond. We're not running two races this weekend, uh, for the Cup Series at least. Um, Richmond pole picks. Emily, who do you think will lead the field to the green on Sunday? Um, pole pick, we're going Kyle Busch. Just so we can, like, crash out on lap one. (laughs) 
maybe. Yep. Yes. That actually happened in uh, 2014. Actually, even better than that would be like to leave like all but one lap of stage one and then crash. Oh my goodness, you were diabolical. That happened in 2014. Kyle Larson was on pole at Richmond, the rookie. I think it was like his 10th cup start. Go down into turn one uh, in the 2014 spring race, and I believe Clint Boyer spun him. Um, or something happened in turn one, but the, the camera was still focusing on the field going into turn one. We don't even have, like, video to spin, but uh, you just hear Daryl Waltrip on the broadcast go, oh, no, and you, you look up and the 42's in the wall. So um, that was really unfortunate for Kyle Larson's first start um, at Richmond. Who do you think is going to win the race? And before you go ahead and say Hamlin, which that's a perfectly fine pick, but who could be running in second if a, if a dinosaur extinction-level size meteorite hits Denny's car? Who will be in second to get the win? Yes, let's go. That makes me very happy. Rejuvenated energy. Oh, oh no. You know what I was thinking? I was thinking, oh, he's going to have his coochie back. back. And he's ready. I was thinking, oh, he's going to have... I don't think it affects him that much. Yeah, I I thought they were going to have their coochies back, but they're not, because it only took away the points penalty. So the fine and the crew chief suspension still stand, but they did start starting the crew chief suspension a couple of weeks ago at Atlanta. So after Richmond and then Bristol Dirt next week, their crew chiefs will all be back at Martinsville. So, And Josh Berry. Josh Berry is back in the car this weekend, uh, you know, back filling in for Chase Elliott. So we still don't have a timetable on Chase Elliott's return yet. Um, theoretically, from the six-week period that we were given at Vegas, he would return at Talladega on April 23rd. Um, I don't know how likely that I don't know if I'd go back to, I don't know if I'd come back from injury and race at Talladega my first time back, just personally. I'd rather go to Dover the week after that, but, you know, that's just me. Um, but yeah, for the pole pick, oh gosh, I don't know. There are some weeks when you just look at a track and you're like, I don't think anybody's going to win the pole. I just don't think anybody's <laughs> going to be fast, but somebody has to. And it's not because I think these guys are bad or not good at Richmond. It just feels like, I don't know, our brain's melding all these guys together. Uh, I'll go Chastain to win the pole. I'll go Chastain to win the pole. Um, I think Bowman's going to be a contender. I think Chastain's going to be a contender. I think Hamlin's going to be a contender. But I'm going to go with Christopher Bell to get the win. I believe he's finished 3rd, 5th, 4th, and 6th this year in the races he is not wrecked out of. He finished 2nd here last fall or last August to Kevin Harvick. And would have beat Kevin Harvick if he had 1 or 2 more laps because he was flying. Um, but strategy will come into play. And if strategy does come into play, um, if it's not just a race on straight up speed at the end, I think a veteran like a Hamlin, like a Harvick, could come in and steal this thing because they're the ones with the most experience um, in those situations. So, Emily, any thoughts okay. now? Um, we had a lot to talk about today. Any thoughts on any of the stuff that any of these guys said after Coda, the penalty of Suarez, the penalty of the Hendrick cars being rescinded, Coda, or going into Richmond? First short track Yeah, of the year. I mean, this is why NASCAR is exciting. <laughs> you know? Yeah. This is it. I feel like... I feel like there's not a sport with as much that goes on in the midweek as NASCAR, like, just throughout the season, whether it be rule I mean, changes just, or penalties or anything like that. There's just so much always happening. Like, you just, you think a race goes smoothly, and then all of a sudden, like, someone lost their crew chief for six weeks. Yeah. You know? And this week, we're going to the action track, going to Richmond. So, wait, this is yeah, the first so. short track of the year. Kind of, Phoenix kind of was, but this is the first true short track of the year. Um, yeah. Well, aside from LA Coliseum, LA could never mind. But you know, you know, short track's not usually my favorite, but I'm excited true. for a good week of races. Yeah. So. And if strategy does come into it, you love you love pit stops, you love green flag pit stops. So we'll, we might see some of those um, play a big factor. I still I haven't gotten around to writing you an outro for the podcast yet. Um, I might have a new, I do have a new intro for it. I, I've kept yours in there, obviously, but I did have some, awesome. some new, uh, some new audio from Cup Series finishes, um, because, you know, I thought that'd be, that'd be fun to hear, like, Ken Squire and Mike Joy call some guys home to finish the races with our voices in the background. Um, okay. but, yeah. uh, 
and I, I'm hoping with I gotta get it on my head that I need to do this now, but I'm hoping at the start of every episode I have a tagline that I'm gonna say. I just need to like think of one and write it down and remember to say it. So I'm on step zero of a three-step process, really, but uh, making slight progress. But um, wait, we'll get there. We will get there. We'll get there eventually. One way or another. So Emily, the next time you should be on something should be Friday for the for previous show on YouTube if you yeah. can make that. Uh, well, no, you're gonna be in Dallas. Yeah, you're going to yeah. be in Dallas, aren't you? Never mind. I will be a little bit busy with uh, 70,000 of my people. I completely forgot about I thought the concert was on Saturday for whatever reason. Good grief. There, there are. There's concerts all weekend, so. Oh, are you going to all three of them, or are you just going to one show? I wish. No, I'm just going to one show. Just going to one show. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we can have you on tomorrow or something, but we will have uh, coverage all weekend for Richmond. There's already a truck pre-race show for Texas out. Xfinity and Cup pre-race show is coming later in the week. And a, on the podcast, a full uh, pre-race podcast for Richmond to get you all ready for the... what is? It? Yeah, this is the Toyota Owner 400, so they've kept the same race name since I went. So, um, you know, they're, they're keeping with the tradition here. So... Uh, thank you for coming on the show, Emily, and wasting 48 minutes of your life with me uh, again talking about cars that go in circles. Maybe that'll be the new tagline. Thank you for listening to the show, wasting 48 minutes of your time, and listening to us talking about cars that go in circles. Um, come back soon. Um, we'll see if that, that makes an appearance or not. But um, I appreciate <laughs> yeah, you coming back. Um, exactly. Except when they go to road courses, which make up one sixth of the schedule yeah, now. Last week he was making fun of it. He's like, oh, it's going rogue because they had to make some right turns today. Yeah. He's like, ha ha. Yeah, we're, going, we're, so, we're going so rogue, aren't we? Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you all for listening. We hit 200 podcast downloads. So again, small milestones, but thank hey, you, you, you. got to start somewhere. We're up to 210 now. And uh, this podcast is on YouTube and all major podcast platforms. So uh, you know, uh, you're listening to one right now, but listen to some more, you know, and uh, our post-race episode next, uh, or sorry, Sunday night or Monday, whenever it is, um, will be our 20th episode, which I know that's kind of by virtue of us being like a very current events podcast and, you know, three a week, because uh, that's kind of what you got to do to keep up in NASCAR nowadays, but in the NASCAR media world nowadays, but, you know, still 20 episodes is neat. We haven't died yet or, you know, just given up on this thing yet, so that's pretty cool. Um, but anyway, thanks for coming on, Emily. As long as we can. Exactly. Thank you, everybody. Yeah, thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, and, you know, like, subscribe, comment, share, uh, rate us, follow us, spread the word to the 20 people that have now downloaded. Or it might just be one person that's downloaded this 20 times, but to the person or persons who have downloaded our podcast in Brussels, Belgium, thank you. I have no idea why you like us so much, but I, I appreciate it. So. <laughs> we're, we're good. We're solid. I don't know how to. What, what's the official language of Belgium? I need to na- I need to know how to say thank you in uh, Bel- Belgian. That, that's probably I don't know. I I'm probably wrong, but I feel like it's like something that's close. To I feel German. like it's Dutch. Official language of yeah. Belgium. Uh, Dutch, German, and French. So let's see. Okay. Uh, we were both kind of kind of there. What's yeah. the most popular language in Belgium? Because I most popular. Langu- okay, I'm gonna say this. Okay, it's Dutch. Sixty percent of Belgians speak Dutch. The first language. I'm gonna say it in Bel- in uh, Dutch, and then the, the the guy that listens to our podcast from Brussels, Belgium, is not gonna speak Dutch <laughs> as his first language. Uh, what is thank you in Dutch? Let's see. Thank you in it, Dutch. Like. Duh. Oh wait, hang on. Let's see here. It's it. They dunked. Oh, I'm thinking German. They dunked. Did you hear that? Du- is it like dunk? They dunked. Bedankt. So, bedankt, listeners in Brussels, Belgium. I really appreciate yeah. it. Uh, bedankt to all of you. I'm just going to, that's my new thing now. Bedankt. I'm going to act like I'm, uh, I know Dutch culture when I absolutely don't. But for real, bedankt to all of you. Thank you for all of you. Or thank you to all of you. Um, and I appreciate, you know, making the last three years of my 10 years, 10, 11 years now that I've been an NASCAR fan really, really fun and allowing me to to cover the sport it's really cool um so going to richmond this week i'll have a previous podcast out for that um and emily now it's time to say goodbye so if you'll say goodbye to our audience now follow suit and we will see you all on friday night all righty see you then goodbye everybody